Whether it's the Taoiseach quoting Seamus Heaney or musicians live-streaming performances, the arts have played a key role in sustaining us during this pandemic. But our artists also need to be sustained. Hello, how's it going? I hope you're doing well and that our entry into a new and improved phase two of reopening the country has made you feel like, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel is getting closer and crucially brighter. Today is a little different than usual in that I'm chatting to three different guests all about the impact of the arts on our well-being during this pandemic, each with a different perspective to share. We'll be hearing from poet and performer Stephen James Smith and founder of the Choice Music Prize, Dave Reed, later on. But first, to give us a sense of why we turn to poets, musicians and other artists in tough times, I'm joined by musician, broadcaster and the man behind other voices, Philip King. The arts matter for all sorts of reasons and they matter because I think creativity and culture, they're essential to our well-being. I think they're valuable in their own right as uniquely irreplaceable human activities. I think they also confer personal benefits on us. They enable us to imagine. They enable us to invent. They enable us to interpret and communicate different ways of seeing the world. Also, I think in a country like Ireland, they, they send a message out from Ireland. They make us audible and visible on a world stage. And then there's the societal value as well. And they create diversity and they promote and create diversity as well. In terms of obviously other voices, courage, sure. which sprang up in the middle of this crisis. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got that on the road, where the idea came from? Because it happened quite quickly. Other voices, courage was a response to the crisis of the COVID pandemic that we find ourselves in. And it responded to a number of aspects of that crisis. The first aspect being the community of artists themselves Mm. who were very impacted on by the crisis. Making a living, like all other cohorts of society, artists found themselves in a very challenging dilemma, if you like. How are we going to make a living? Our response, which was the Other Voices Courage piece, we wanted to create a sensation of liveness. And we designed with really good production values in terms of pictures and in terms of sound a a, a plan to go and engage with a number of artists in a number of diverse locations and to ask them to perform live with all of those values attendant and to have an interactive engagement with the public. In other words, the audience for the artist was out there in the world, all over the world. And the the response was truly remarkable. Mm-hmm. Um, the messages, the emotional messages, the messages of appreciation for artists and the artist's appreciation to the audience, that two-way street, appeared to be intact. And to use that phrase again, the collapsing of distance was 
achieved in a remarkable sort of way. And that was down to the artist speaking emotionally, empathetically and eloquently to an audience and an audience response that invigorated the artist and I suppose, as in all performances, gave them the energy and the sense that they were engaging in real time, in real space. Some of the pictures we got were remarkable, Jan, mm. of families dancing in a kitchen to <laughs> like to the telly, if you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. But it was the sensation of the liveness of yes, it yeah. was, was the thing. And when Tony Houlihan tweeted that you know, Lisa Hannigan's performance in the National Gallery of Ireland was a gift to the nation. Mm. That was very uplifting and very energising and very motivating for the artist community to continue what they do and for us to continue to do it with them. One of the the positives to have come out of this experience is that idea that we are more connected to our shared humanity. We've been almost you know, reawakened to our shared humanity and things like Other Voices Courage and exactly as you describe that connection right down the camera lens in live real time. Yes, it's not the same as being in Whelan's or in the National Gallery at a concert, but it's pretty damn close. It's surprisingly close, actually. Well, that was the sensation that we got and really it was the people who were telling us that, you know, mm. that, you know, when Glenn Hansard stands up in the National Library and he walks into that beautiful room mm. and, you know, when he's chatting away and he says, you know, me ma in, 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 in <laughs> Ballymun rang me, uh, tell me, he said, well, I, I have to talk to you. He said, I can't talk to you now, ma. I'm singing for the people. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, I mean, so, I mean, that's the liveness of it. Yes. Because yeah. that happened, mm, you know. Mm. And I think the vacuum that has been left means that the individual or the family or the community recognises the absolute necessity and essential nature of what the artist community and the wider infrastructure that supports that community does. It's hugely important because when the world goes silent and when the music stops and we have no piper or flute player to put the rhythm under the dancer's foot and we fall silent, we realise Many of the things that we take for granted are gone and we are bereft and we are lost without them and we will need them to give us the inspiration and the courage to continue and to navigate the rocky and twisted road that's ahead of us. Philip, what are some of the pieces of music or musicians or books or whatever that inspire you and give you uplift at times like this? Well, all music does that for me. Um, <laughs> and I think there's a whole range of of music, a whole range of language and literature. And going to poetry, um, I think, is very important as well. I've been reading a lot of Mary Oliver, um, always going back to Derek Mahan, um, from a musical point of view and speaking to you from where I am, I always think of the given note um, from Seamus Heaney, a poem inspired by a tune that comes from that body of water between Dunhuin and the Great Blasket Islands. Um, Port Nabuki, 
And sure, let the record show that before a certain hot priest, Andrew Scott, went went viral with Everything's Going to Be Alright by Derek Mahan. You recorded a version of Everything's Going to Be Alright by Derek Mahan at the beginning of all of this, which was just gorgeous. And I think gave a, it, I, it gave an awful lot of people a lot of comfort. It's a beautiful poem. Well, I love the, the, you know, the, the sun rises in spite of everything and the mm. far cities are beautiful and bright. I lie here in a riot of sunlight. You know, this oh. just... Uh, uh, yeah. Everything is going to be all right, Jan. Mm. Okay. Well, this is it. This is it. It is all going yes. to be all right. Yes. Um. If you want to check out any of the other Voices Courage performances, you can find them on the RTE player and at othervoices.ie. Well, another poem that many of you will no doubt be familiar with is Collectively Counting, written by Stephen James Smith in response to the pandemic. Now, Stephen and I chat about that poem, how it came about and what it's like being an artist at a time when, you know, planned performances and events have literally vanished. I have had probably like most people, good days and bad days, simple as or good weeks and bad weeks. Mm. Um, Initially, I set myself little tasks to do. So I found a bit of a routine and uh, was ticking those things off just like boring stuff like archiving things on my laptop that ordinarily I wouldn't have time to do Um, and that was good to have a little bit of a focus then that got quite tedious and annoying and boring (laughs) I was lucky then I found that some work came on for me that so I, I do all sorts of things and one of the things I do is a little bit of creative copywriting from time to time so I cashed in on the disaster capital, shame on me. Good man. I, I did a thing for, for a company and um, having a deadline was great to have something yeah, to work God. towards. Uh, and I realised just how important they are for me to have a deadline to, to get the focus. Um, I've Yeah, I've had good and bad days, um, family members, good and bad days, and I'm probably trying to take care of a few people now as well. And that's been a, a slight shift in the role mm. dynamic, which has been interesting as well. Mm. And no harm in it. So trying to negotiate that's been, been interesting also. Have you noticed as a poet how much more poetry there seems to be everywhere? I'm lucky that poetry is part of my everyday life. I do read it every day or engage with it somehow every day. And loads of my friends are poets, so we just be chatting about it anyway. Mm. Um, so it kind of normalises it for me. But I, I find that people turn to me when something extreme has happened in their life. So, for example, like, might seem odd, but I've had people come to me and ask me to help them through a bereavement or then on the flip side of that like a wedding so these real memorable moments in people's lives people I find turn to poetry so I'm not surprised that people are turning to it now and I'm sure we've all seen the Heaney quote if we can winter this one winter this one we can summer anywhere yeah. yeah which actually isn't from a poem uh, it was from an interview and then I've seen uh, the Ivan Boland quote mm. um, in fact that was two friends of mine two poet friends of mine Hazel Hogan and, and Owen Rogers put that out in their house which was lovely and, and obviously sadly um, Ivan just passed away yeah. not so long ago and yeah. I've been re-engaging with her poetry mm. and particularly her poem Quarantine oh stop it um, it's yeah. such an amazing piece yeah it's absolutely it's just amazing about yeah. the famine you said at the outset about how you turned to creativity to help you at difficult times. And I'm just wondering, have you been able to be creative at a time like this? Because I know a lot of people, because of that whole fight or flight mechanism that's fired up at times like this, it almost runs counter to being able to imagine or create anything. What's been your experience? 
thankfully I have written a few things. I'm not as prolific as I used to be in truth. Um, I probably have this... I'm great at, at dishing out the advice. But, <laughs> Look, aren't we all? <laughs> and I do workshops and all these sorts of things and trying to teach people about creativity. And I probably need to take some of my own advice is the truth of it. Throughout this, I've probably written about five things. Mm. So that's not too bad for me uh, in that sort of a time frame. The thing that I did for First Fortnight um, that was uh, supported by NASP, the National Suicide Prevention Office of Prevention, I believe it is, something like that. Mm-hmm. It's supported by the HSE. Mm. And, um, but actually, there was a young director, so credit to him, Craig Kenny. I've never even met him. He sent me a message online and said, would I write something about all this? And lovely, sincere message. And it was hard to not respond to him, mm. given the sincerity of, of the ask. And I looked up his work and I went, Jesus, this guy's bloody good. Um, so I started just, working on... So- just for listeners, yeah, that's sorry. that collectively counting that yeah. a lot of people with, and with the lovely like Villagers soundtrack and it was... So not just Villagers of- as well, so to oh, give right. credit. So actually Connor mixed and did uh, the kind of muted trumpet, but it was a, a friend of mine, Gareth Quinn Redmond, did the music. So uh, okay. need to... Credit where Absolutely, credit is due, yeah. and, and 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 it's a beautiful video, and I'm pretty happy with the poem and how it all turned out. But it's all down to Craig just doing a sincere ask. Mm. I was writing this purely for me, mm. and for Craig and the lads, like as it were, and then the ask came in from the HSE. Uh, in conjunction like with First Fortnight mm. who I've been volunteering with for years yeah. great guys and that ask kind of came in but there was nothing definitive like they weren't sure if they wanted to do it or not it was like just a tentative thing when we'd finished our video and then they're like okay we want to do this thing and it was the same day that the video was finished oh my gosh so we just said well we've done this mm. and uh, it's like a take it or leave it and if it's a leave it, that's fine because we we were putting it out regardless. Yes, yeah. And if it's a take it, um, okay, great, happy days. So then there was there was a there was some money there which was great. Um, so it meant all the guys got paid, mm. uh, for work that we were essentially doing for free, mm. which is brilliant. I think what's so great about collectively counting is the fact that there is an edge to it because people did have anger and frustration as well as Mm -hmm. great empathy great senses of community fear just everything it was such a total soup of emotions there's beauty in honesty and Mm. um, I think true poetry is is honest Um, so that's where you should be going towards in terms of you obviously you've plenty of friends that are working in the arts like it must be incredibly stressful at the Mm -hmm. moment just watching an entire summer of festivals an entire autumn schedule of things just vanish yeah personally speaking I've had 34 events cancelled I had my first European tour 16 date European tour booked so obviously that was binned um, and summer festivals and whatnot. Mm. I have I've an Irish tour booked not announced yet but sure I'm like hey, here we go exclusive, an exclusive. <laughs> I have a 12 dates I think it's 12 dates Irish tour booked for November um, but I, I'm doing two nights in supposed to be doing two nights in Smock Alley with an option of a third uh, in the boys school because I love the boys school nice atmosphere there it's, it, 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 it holds 70 that's been reduced to 14 I, I've been lucky 
that I've had somewhere come in mm-hmm. um, to, to keep the wolf from the door for me. But I know a lot of my friends that are in an even more precarious situation than I am. And I, I, I feel so sorry for them. I mean, I'm sure I'm not alone in this. I couldn't have gotten through this pandemic without the arts. And I don't think anybody mm. could have because you could see it all over social media. You see it everywhere. People connecting around the Abbey Theatre's Dear mm. Ireland, like the shine a light with Sinead O'Connor, just things that galvanised the nation that people connected around. The Voices. Oh, the Voices Courage, exactly. Which was absolutely beautiful. Like yeah. You watched several of those. And you can still watch them now. Yeah, and yeah. I think it's that impetus that people should feel the arts were there for me when I was all mm-hmm. over the gaff with, the, with mm-hmm. you know, lockdown. What can we give back at a time where we can't buy a ticket? T-shirts, buy music on Bandcamp, mm-hmm. um, books. Um, but then when the when the when the gigs are happening again, and hopefully they will be happening, buy tickets. Yeah. Don't like, especially if you've mates in a band, don't look for a comp. You know, because unless they're selling out somewhere, even at those mm-hmm. like big venues, are still tough. Mm-hmm. Don't try and take pride in what your friend is doing and pay to go in and support them and the theatre and whatnot and, and bring a friend along And but if, if money is an issue one simple way that you can do uh, some, some simple thing that you can do to help people is just share art online you know uh, by, by tagging the person following them and saying look check out this video check out this song it's amazing it's affecting me in such and such a way mm. and you know the artist might see that being tagged in or whatever it is and, and give them a little pick up to keep them going on strong and from somebody seeing that thing being shared online that might lead to somebody else going and buying a ticket or it might lead to some other work for that for mm. that artist so that's one simple thing that everyone can do for free because pretty much everyone's on social media in terms of things that people can do themselves to foster their own creativity if there are people now in this slowdown that have either been inspired by the likes of your work and the work of other artists and feel like they want to connect with their own creativity more like you referenced earlier that you do workshops and things with people, you know, do you have like one or two things that you would suggest to people? Look, this is a nice gateway into exploring your own creativity. But just try and write, say, two lines before you get out of bed each day. A couplet. We all know what a couplet mm. is, okay? Uh, and, and don't uh, worry about how good it is. Don't be judging or whatever. Or say, for example, if poetry isn't your buzz or songwriting or whatever, try and take a photo a day you know because I'm sure we're all trying to get out for a bit of exercise each day and going for a little bit of a walk take a photo and then you'll have something to kind of document your your lockdown experience but the great thing is maybe after 30 days it now be, it's a habit and it's habitual and you're just used to doing it and you'll keep on at it you know the more you do it the more you access creativity the more it'll flow for you and the more you'll be connected to other people that are kind of creative as well and you'll be inspired by them and that whole idea, the rising tide of salt boats, you know, by sharing other people's art, by engaging, it'll, you know, it'll mm. spill over uh, into your own life. Mm. And I did, look, I didn't think I'd be a poet, you know, like what? what? Am I doing? what you, I, you weren't in senior yeah, infants going, dude, I like, would like to grow up to become a not poet. Not at all. Like, no, not at all. Like, when I left school, I did mechanical engineering. Um, and then I got sick and I, I had to leave. I've been worked in building sites, I've worked in bars, I've worked in offices, I've worked in sales jobs. So then I got made redundant, I was in a FOSS course. You know, all you name it, I've probably done it. Um, but I started a little bit of songwriting and a little bit of guitar when I was 16 and uh, just kept on, kept a little journal. But I went to some open mic nights 
Um, and from then I kind of found a little community of people that would encourage me and I try and encourage them and we learned from each other and one thing led to another mm. and here I am now never mm. expecting to be you know chatting to yourself mm. or doing gigs mm. that was never the agenda the, the, the agenda was just to create try and understand yourself a little bit more and I've just been lucky you mm. know that that other things have happened as a result of that but that's never been the, the begotten goal you can find out more about Stephen's work, future gigs and all the rest at stephenjamesmith.com. Now, as Stephen alluded to there, we have a few options when it comes to showing our support to artists and the work they create. But for many people working in the creative industries, like there's a lot of stress, financial worry and anxiety at the moment. First Fortnight and a number of other organisations, including IMRO, IRMA, the BAI and more, have all come together to launch a wellbeing and support initiative called Minding Creative Minds. Dave Reed is founder of the Choice Music Prize and a board member with First Fortnight. And here he talks to me about what's involved and what are the supports on offer. I suppose the music sector has been one of the most hardly hit sectors that there is, I guess. So... Uh, yeah, right now it's extremely tough being involved in music in Ireland, I guess, you know. Mm. And I can imagine as well the way it went, it it sort of was a drip drip for a little while. It looked like, OK, well, we're going to miss out on the next couple of months, but we still have the festivals in the summertime. And then as the realisation dawned, people were like, oh, God, my whole year's income is gone. Yeah, I mean, you know, it just kind of hit March and I suppose the, the, the kind of plan, I suppose, that government had, it, you know, the, the kind of ideas was that, as you said, this might be OK by kind of June, I guess, and that the tours that were booked in for summer and festivals would go ahead. But as we've seen, everything has been hit and every week and every day kind of goes by with something else hit. Um, and all the promoters and all the, you know, there's lots of jobs obviously have gone as well, like, you know, in, in that um, sector as well. Um, it looks like live music is gone until until next year, early next year. Totally understandably, and I'm sure anybody listening who is not a musician but is working in an industry that's been hard hit or who's been furloughed or whatever, that um, that causes stress, that causes real anxiety, a lot of mental health issues. So can you tell us a little bit about Minding Creative Minds? Yes, um, I suppose we started work on this uh, two, two years ago, I guess, um, I used to work as, as um, sorry, I was involved as board member of uh, First Fortnight. Mm. It's a mental health um, arts charity, I guess. And I suppose d- during that work, I was exposed to the kind of lack of support that's out there for artists, I guess, across all the sectors, from, from theatre to art, to music to film. There just wasn't a kind of a coherent well-being structure out there. Um, there's various surveys done that um, have told us that artists um, are more prone to suffering from mental health issues uh, up to four or five times more than the general population. To give people an idea who, you know, may be thinking, what programme, what are they talking about? Like, this is something that an awful lot of people who work in big organisations or even maybe some smaller organisations have through, say, VHI, Spectrum, whoever, these sort of employment assistance programmes. And because so many creatives are solo operators, they don't have those structures. You guys are basically putting that in place for them. That's exactly it. I mean, there is similar structures in place for um, the Gaelic Players Association have have one, uh, the construction uh, um, sector has one, the legal sector has one, rugby players have one, but there's nothing there for mm. the creative sector. We kind of got thinking, why is mm. there not something in place for this sector that gives so much to people's enjoyment and, you know, and, yes. and daily enjoyment? So, yeah, that's that's the kind of mm. 
spirit of it, I suppose, to try and provide a balanced wellbeing programme for that sector, I guess, yeah. So what kinds of supports are we talking about? Yeah, we're, we're talking about a 24-7 helpline um, that can be accessed, um, obviously, from, from, from anywhere, from, from um, Ireland or, or UK, I guess. We're talking, to, we're, we're talking about up to six free counselling sessions. We're talking right. about live chat through an app or a platform. And equally as important, we're also talking about other helpers available, like financial advice, legal advice, or, or career advice. So the mental health... Uh, part of it is, is hugely important but it's the well-being I suppose as well that there's yeah. that advice there about career advice uh, financial advice or we'll say legal advice as well so it won't solve everything John but it's a, a pretty good start I think So how do people access it? Like do, do you how do you qualify as a creative mind to access this support system? Yeah that's a good question as well it's initially phase one is, is initially open to artists anybody playing music anybody playing in a band um, songwriters or artist managers so we anticipate that that opens up to about 20,000 people in that sector. Um, so anybody in that s- sector can we'll say, use these services. Ideally, then we would open up to the whole, we'll say, we'll say music industry after a, a certain amount of time. And then the kind of big aim, I suppose, is to open up to the whole creative sector. Mm. But obviously, that's the kind of holy grail. We reckon uh, the Arts Council done a survey, I think, in 2010, that there's uh, nearly 80,000 people working in that sector. Wow. And it's probably more now. So yeah. that, that, that's a big ask to have that amount of people could access these services. If you or someone you know is a member of that initial group Dave mentioned, so musicians, songwriters, artist managers and event production crew, you can access information at mindingcreativeminds.ie or call 1-800-814-244. It is such a great initiative and there are loads of supports. If you head over to that website, you can see all of the detail. I hope you've enjoyed this edition of You OK. Please, if you can at all, do what you can to support the artists you've been leaning on during this crisis. Books, tickets, T-shirts, albums, it all helps. I hope too that, you know, if your heart is in your boots at any time over the next few days, that you'll turn to some of the poems, people and performances that we've mentioned in this podcast to lift your spirits. I guarantee it works. I also recommend put together a playlist of absolute bangers and stick that on when you're blue. Dancing Around the Kitchen has not failed me yet during this pandemic. This podcast is created and edited by Paul Moriarty and me, Jan Nidanagon. Thanks for your company today. We'll talk again soon. And in the meantime, mind yourself. Mind yourself.